This is the multi-voice text-to-speech podfic reading of Coming Across a Silver Moon by Sleepman Ten, composed by Burning Aurora. Once upon a time, in a faraway land, there was a kingdom surrounded by a forest. Most of the time the forest was a quiet and serene place, but there were rumors every so often of a beast who prowled when the moon was round and high in the sky. The beast was said to be bloodthirsty and fierce, but no one had ever caught a glimpse of it. Such talk met the ears of the local nobleman, who owned the land surrounding the forest. The news met the nobleman Black's ears on more than one occasion, and having heard such gossip, he decided to send his eldest son, Sirius, into the forest to see if he would meet the beast. Sirius, being courageous and cunning, would fight the beast if necessary. My son, I bid you go into the forest to see if you see hide or hair of this beast. You will be rewarded handsomely if you bring me back its head. I will not disappoint you, father. Sirius vowed as he readied himself for his journey. Sirius gathered all of his courage and mounted his horse. He traveled day and night until he reached the heart of the forest. All seemed placid in the forest, and there was no beast in sight. Sirius was preparing his faithful horse, Nimbus, for the journey home when he happened upon a cabin made of logs. There was a man chopping wood a few meters away, and he tipped his cap to Sirius. Good day, my lord, the man said. It is unusual to see any other people about. Greetings. Can you tell me where I may rest and water my horse? Sirius asked. You are welcome to do so here, my lord. There is a stream over yonder and your horse may drink from its cool waters. I thank you, kind sir, Sirius said, dismounting his horse gracefully. What is your name? I am Sirius of the House of Black. The man gave a small bow. I am Remus, from the House of Lupin, though I am the last of my people here. It is a pleasure to meet you, Remus. The pleasure is mine, my lord. Sirius led the horse to the stream, which was indeed as cool and clean as Remus said. He left the horse alone and wandered back to the cabin. What caused you to venture into the forest on this fine day? Remus inquired as he wiped his axe with a cloth. My father bid me enter the forest to see if there was indeed a beast within as he's heard tell of. Alas, I did not meet such a creature, Sirius said. A shadow seemed to pass over Remus's features. A beast, you say? We've heard tell of a beast who is about when the moon is high and full in the sky. But it seems to just be idle gossip. Yes, I suppose so, Remus said. You must be tired from your journey. May I offer you some supper before you go? If you have enough to spare, I would be honored, Sirius said. This way, please, Remus said, as he led Sirius into the cabin. Inside was warm and comfortable. It was one large, airy room, with a large bed adorned with a red-knit blanket, a table and two chairs, a fireplace and a kettle. It was rustic, not at all like Sirius's quarters in Grimald Place the manor house at the heart of his family's lands. However, it was warm and welcoming and Sirius immediately felt at home. I do not have much, but I do have some warm bread and cheese, and some chicken soup, Remus said. Do you not have a wife? Sirius asked, looking around curiously. Not me, Remus said, as he ladled the soup and served the bread. I am on my own here most of the time. It must be lonely. Sirius said, offhandedly. His eyes went round at his rudeness. No, I apologize, I just meant. 
No offense taken, my lord, Remus said, his eyes cast down. They ate in silence for some minutes before Sirius looked at Remus across the table. You know, you do not have to address me as my lord. Not here. Are you not Lord Black? Remus asked, puzzled. I am. And I am not. Here I am just. Sirius. All right, Sirius. I suppose I could do as you wish. When their bread and cheese were not but crumbs and the soup bowls were empty, Sirius reluctantly stood. Thank you, Remus, for the delicious meal. I am lucky to have happened upon you on my journey. Sirius put out his hand and Remus shook it slowly. Sirius felt a tingling sensation as he held Remus's hand that trailed up his arm and warmed his heart. I am grateful for your company, my... Sirius, Remus said, his eyes shone like two golden nuggets. If you happen to be about this way again, perhaps we might share another meal. And with that, Sirius mounted Nimbus and rode back to Grimald Place. When he arrived, the manor was asleep. It was so quiet he could hear his heart beating as he walked, his steps echoing, to his chamber. Once inside, he began to undress for bed. It was late and he was weary from his journey. As he took off his frock coat, he saw something black swirling along his wrist. Curious, he turned his wrist and examined it. There was a half-moon on the inside of his left wrist that looked as though it had been drawn with a quill. He must be dreaming, he thought. It had been a long day, and a long journey. Surely, he was imagining things. When he awoke the next day, it was to his servant, Creature, opening the drapes and letting the sun in. Sirius squinted into the light and swept his dark hair out of his face. The black spot on his wrist caught his attention again. The moon was still there, etched into his skin. He ran his fingers over it. It wasn't raised and it tingled when he touched it. Your father requires your presence, my lord, Creature said with a shallow bow. Very well, Sirius said, rising from his bed. Some time later, Sirius presented himself in Nobleman Black's chamber. He bowed before his father. I did as you requested, father. I journeyed to the forest to discover whether the beast was about. And what did you find, my son? I did not meet a beast nor did I find any trace of one. Did you see anything amiss or unusual in the forest? Sirius's mind briefly conjured an image of Ramus, but he dismissed it. No, father. Very well. We will wait to see if we hear more tales as the moon waxes. The moon waned and began to wax again. Sirius spared no further thought for the beast, though his mind often wandered toward Remus. He wondered about the woodsman. Did he ever venture into the village? For Sirius never saw him among the townspeople. Did he have any company beyond the trees? And when Sirius was practicing his violin on the balcony at Grimald Place, he wondered if Remus enjoyed music as he did. When the moon was full, there was a good deal of fretting among the townspeople about whether or not the beast would strike again. Nobleman Black called in his most trusted knights to stand guard and exercise constant vigilance. As the moon rose in the sky, howling could be heard from the forest. Sirius heard it from his chambers and Nobleman Black heard it from his. Sirius's brother, Regulus and noblewoman Black heard it from the parlor. Sirius looked again at the mark on his wrist, which had waxed with the moon, and was now full. He met his concerned father in the corridor. Did you hear that, father? 
I did, my son. Do you want me to investigate? I do not want you to do anything rash. Perhaps we will leave it for more experienced soldiers to handle. You allowed me to go before, father. I did not believe there was imminent danger before. Now I am more convinced. Sirius was not one to stay idle and wait for news while others were more active in their pursuit. He waited until his parents retired for the night, saddled Nimbus, and took off into the forest. The forest was dark and dense. No other living creature was abroad. He no longer heard the howling. In fact, it was eerily quiet. He rode toward where he had met Remus, that having been the only route that he could discern in the darkness. It was there, near Remus's cottage, that he saw movement. And for a moment, the creature, a great gray creature with yellow eyes, was silhouetted against the fullness of the moon. Sirius's eyes widened in fear. The beast sniffed the air and huffed as it followed the scent. Nimbus stayed still, waiting for his master's signal. Sirius heard a growl from behind. Digging his heels into the horse's sides caused him to gallop toward the edge of the forest, with the beast at its heels. Once Sirius turned and looked and saw that the beast was a great, gray wolf with long, sharp teeth. Such a realization made him bid his horse to go faster. When they reached the town, the beast did not follow. It stayed in the forest as if there was some sort of boundary it dared not cross. When he reached Grimald Place, he quietly led Nimbus into the stable. As he did so, he heard a rustling and saw his younger brother waiting for him. Why did you disobey? I cannot explain it, Regulus, Sirius replied. It was as if I was being pulled into the forest to witness the creature's existence. You saw it? I did. Please don't tell father. I will not. But you must. As it turned out, Nobleman Black was far too busy in the morning to reproach Sirius for his disobedience. A farmer's sheep had been attacked, and there was much hand-wringing in the village over what to do about the creature. Upon hearing this, Sirius took to the forest immediately. He rode out to where he met the creature the previous night, but it was nowhere to be found. Dismounting Nimbus, he let the horse drink from the nearby stream as he did when he met Remus. He came upon the cabin and the pile of wood, but Remus was nowhere to be found. Sirius searched, frightened that the creature had hurt him. A few meters along where the stream was, Sirius heard a muffled moan. He followed the sound curiously, unsure of what he might find. He found the source of the sound, for on the ground lay Remus. Remus was missing his clothing and looked as though he were injured. Remus? Sirius said, crouching down next to him. What happened? I believe it's my leg. Please help me, Remus implored. Sirius lifted him gently and carried him back to the cabin and laid him on the bed. Sirius looked at the large gash in Remus's leg. It was shallow, but long, bloody, and required a dressing. He thought back to his field medicine training and neatly dressed Remus's wound. Do you have any food? Sirius asked. Remus nodded weakly. I'm going to get it. I'm not leaving you. The sparsely filled kitchen boasted a canister full of tea, a loaf of bread and some cured meat. Sirius made up a tray and brought the delicacies to Remus's bedside. You are an angel. I might have died out there in the woods, Remus said as he began eating. Were you attacked by the beast? Sirius asked. He watched Remus as he ate, and his color improved. Remus sighed. 
In a manner of speaking, yes. But don't ask me about it now, please. I won't, Sirius said at once. When he was satisfied that Remus was resting comfortably, he took some food for himself and explored the cabin. It had a cozy, homey atmosphere as if Remus had lived there for a long time. There were notes and letters on the desk and a violin in the corner. Sirius picked it up. It was dusty and one of the strings was broken. Sirius removed it with nimble fingers and searched in the same corner to find the resin and additional strings. He changed the string and tested it. He moved a chair next to Remus's bed and put the violin under his chin. Moving the bow across the strings, the violin let out a mournful sound. Sirius turned the tuning pegs and adjusted the tone. The instrument sounded better now, as Sirius played with his eyes closed. Music gave him solace, and he hoped it would be similar for Remus. Finishing one piece, he let it smoothly melt into another, and he continued playing until his fingers were stiff and the sky began to darken. When he finally put the violin down, he saw Remus had awakened and was watching him with a soft expression in his eyes. You play beautifully, my lord. Sirius. Sirius reminded him. How does your leg fare? Do you require a change in dressing? Possibly. I do not know. Sirius stood and opened the dressing. He took a fresh cloth and cleaned the wound again and closed it up with a fresh dressing. How do you know how to do that? Aren't you part of the noble family? Yes. But my father bid me to join the army for a stint and I learned field medicine during that time. Sirius said. Are you truly here all alone? Yes, Remus replied quietly. Do. Do you want me to stay with you? Sirius asked, his inflection uncertain. Yes, was the almost immediate reply. Will anyone in your family miss you? I do not wish to create any trouble. It is no trouble, Sirius said. He caught sight of a mark on the inside of Remus's left wrist. May I? Remus offered his wrist and Sirius turned it over. There on Remus's wrist was a black tattoo of the moon. Where did you get this mark? Sirius asked. It's the most peculiar thing, Remus said. It appeared on my wrist after we met. It waxes with the moon. Sirius looked at him, wide-eyed. He unbuttoned the cuff of his shirt sleeve and rolled it up. I have one too. How curious. Ramus said, running his fingers over the mark on Sirius's wrist. How did you come to have it? Same as you. It appeared the morning after our last meeting, Sirius replied. Rest now, Remus. I shall be here when you wake. Remus closed his golden eyes but did not let go of Sirius's hand. They fell asleep with the matching marks touching. The morning dawned bright. Sirius awoke much earlier than he would have at Grimald Place due to stiffness in his back from slumbering all night in the chair next to Remus's bed. When Remus awoke, Sirius had already brought a tray over with some porridge and tea. They ate together in silence, and Sirius reluctantly stood. I have to go make sure I am not missed. I shall return soon. Your leg is improving. You should rest though for another few days. You've already done enough, Sirius. I do not want you to earn reproach from your family on my account. Their eyes met, and Sirius felt a strange longing in his chest. But he bid Remus farewell and rode Nimbus back to town. Once inside Grimald Place, Sirius attempted to be quiet to avoid detection. But alas, Nobleman Black was waiting for him in the front room. 
He was in a towering temper. Did I not bid you to stay here in safety? Nobleman Black demanded. What have I done to earn such disobedience and treachery? Count yourself as fortunate that you did not meet the beast in the wood. With that, Nobleman Black delivered a stinging slap to Sirius's cheek. You will remain confined to the house until I bid you to go abroad. With that, he turned on his heel and swept away. Sirius sank down onto the floor, hugging his knees. A familiar burning sensation engulfed his chest and he made a valiant attempt not to let tears escape. Regulus came running in and stopped short. He found you, did he? Did you tell? Sirius asked, his eyes red-rimmed. Regulus sat down next to him. No, not I. But your chamber was empty this morning. Sirius nodded, closing his eyes. Regulus watched him carefully. He's angry, isn't he? He's in a foul temper. Sirius confirmed. But I am no longer a child. I am stronger than him. Don't do anything rash. Regulus advised. Days passed and Sirius was confined to the house. His thoughts strayed often to Remus. He hoped his leg healed. He longed to check on him. He longed to be free of his father's commands. On the seventh day of his confinement, a soothsayer visited Grimald Place to offer counsel to Nobleman Black. He was an old wise man, with robes of deepest blue and purple and long, flowing, silver hair. While he was advising the nobleman, Sirius stayed outside the parlor. He longed to do something useful. He could not bring himself to play his violin. Every time he tried, he felt a deep ache inside his chest as he remembered playing for Remus as he healed. At long last, the soothsayer emerged. He spied Sirius nearby and approached him with a sweeping bow. How now, my young lord? What troubles thee? He looked into the soothsayer's blue eyes. A great deal. But I am unable to act, confined as I am to this house. Thy heart is brave and true. True love will find its way. Sirius met his eyes, bewildered. True love? Might I see thy wrist? Sirius offered him his hand, which the soothsayer turned over and examined the moon etched into his skin. That is the mark of true love. Pulling his hand back, Sirius shook his head. Are you sure? The soothsayer nodded. That I am. Thou hast met thy true love. You. You were here to advise my father about the creature in the woods? I. The soothsayer said gravely. Is there anything we can do to stop it? Things are not always what they seem. With shapeshifters and werewolves about. Werewolves? Sirius asked, fear creeping into his voice. Do not fear, said the old man. The werewolf is naught but a man for the remaining days of the moon cycle. But the full moon? Ah yes. One would be unwise to stray across the werewolf's path on the full moon. Is there nothing that can stop it? The soothsayer regarded Sirius mildly though it felt as though he could see deep inside him. There is an apothecary who lives in the hills who brews a potion that tames the werewolf. If the werewolf takes three drops of potion, he will be as docile as a house pet. Sirius worked this over in his mind. An apothecary? I will take my leave, my lord. I trust you will know what to do. With another sweeping bow, the soothsayer took his leave. Sirius spent the rest of the day in a state of agitation. The soothsayer's words kept coming back to him, but not making any sense. True love. 
Things are not always what they seem. Werewolf. Magic potion. What was he meant to do? He paced on his balcony, deep in thought. A memory returned to him unbidden. Finding Remus in the forest. His injury. Were you attacked by the beast? In a manner of speaking, yes. But don't ask me about it now, please. It had not meant anything at the time. But what if? No, that was mad. Was Remus a werewolf? The idea marinated in Sirius's mind for the next few days. Every time he ran his thumb over the moon on his wrist, he wondered. He would have to act soon, of this he was certain. For he heard rumblings in the town of wanting to take to the forest to hunt the creature on the next full moon. But first, Sirius needed to locate the apothecary in the hills. This would mean further disobedience of his father's wishes. The way forward became clear. He knew if he disobeyed again, he would not be welcomed back. It would be akin to running away from home and publicly humiliating his father. He would take the potion to Remus. Perhaps they would stay in his cabin because the other piece of the puzzle was the moon on his wrist. He found he was not perturbed at the prospect of Remus being his true love. He wondered if he should be. His parents had brought girls to meet him from other villages, and none of them caused him longing the way Remus did. It made sense now that none of them had been his true love. Beginning that evening when the house was asleep, Sirius packed a rucksack and a saddlebag for his journey. The next evening, he saddled Nimbus. He took a last look around, knowing he would never return and took off under the cover of night. He had never been in the hills before, and he took many a detour before finding the apothecary the soothsayer had spoken of. His cottage was tiny and dark in the first light of morning. Sirius walked Nimbus to the nearby trough to water. When the horse was satisfied, the sun was up and Sirius knocked on the apothecary's door. A young, hook-nosed, sallow-faced man opened the door. He was clothed in billowing black robes, which enhanced his resemblance to a bat. Yes. Are you the apothecary? Sirius asked. I am. How may I be of service, my lord? He asked, with a shallow, sardonic bow. I heard that you were able to brew a potion that would tame a werewolf. And where did you hear such a thing? The apothecary inquired, his posture challenging. The soothsayer who gave counsel to my father told me, Sirius said, adjusting his own posture accordingly. It is a difficult potion to brew. I would imagine so. I can pay handsomely. The apothecary considered, taking in Sirius's clothing and fine horse. I will have it a fortnight, the night before the next full moon. Very good, sir. Sirius gave him three gold coins. A deposit for your troubles. Sirius took his leave and rode into the forest. He did not recognize his surroundings, but somehow he was able to find his way. He found the moon on his wrist tingled more as he drew closer to Remus's cabin. He arrived late in the afternoon. Remus was again splitting logs in front of the cabin. Remus looked up at him as he dismounted and strode toward him, his expression going through many emotions. You came back, Remus whispered. Yes, Sirius said, taking his handkerchief and wiping his brow. He placed it back in his breast pocket and drew his sleeve up to reveal the moon. I had to. I was uncertain whether I would see you again. Thank you for nursing me. 
My leg is much better. Sirius smiled softly. It was no trouble. They stood in silence, and Sirius reached for Remus's wrist that bore the matching mark. He pressed the marks together. A soothsayer counseled me as to the meaning of these marks. And what did he say? Remus asked softly. It is the mark of true love, Sirius said. When Remus did not respond right away, Sirius searched his eyes. Is that all right? Remus smiled at him, his eyes crinkling at the corners. It is more than all right. I did not counsel with a soothsayer, but I heard tell of such things traveling through the forest. I just did not expect it to ever happen to me. Sirius tipped his chin up and kissed him softly. To be truthful, I did not either. I supposed I would be married to someone my parents found for me. Sirius, I have to tell you something. And you might not want to stay once you find out. Remus looked uncertain and he drew his hand out of Sirius's grasp. He turned away. I have a secret that I keep close. No one else knows the truth. Sirius nodded, but did not speak. He waited for Remus to be ready. It is I that is the beast who haunts the forest. For I am a werewolf, with a dangerous nature. I do not believe you are dangerous, Sirius said. And I have made the acquaintance of an apothecary who can brew a potion that tames a werewolf. I did not know such a thing existed, but you already knew of my secret, Remus said surprised. I worked it out, but I was unsure. You must be careful. The townspeople want to hunt the creature during the next full moon. Remus sighed. I am not surprised. I am to obtain the potion the day before the full moon. May I? May I stay? Sirius asked humbly. For I ran away from my father and I am no longer welcome. Remus smiled at him again, and gestured to the cabin. You are always welcome here, my love. The morning before the full moon dawned warm and bright. Sirius no longer balked at rising early since it gave him more waking hours with Remus. He taught Sirius how to wield an axe, and they split logs together. This morning, however, Sirius saddled Nimbus. Would you like to accompany me? Yes, I think I would, Remus said. I do not know how to ride well though, he added, regarding Nimbus. If you sit in front of me, it will keep you safe, Sirius said. And he did so and they rode out to the hills to visit the apothecary. He greeted them at the door, as sardonic and bat-like as ever. I have brewed your potion, my lord. Thank you, kind sir, Sirius said with a bow. How is it administered? The werewolf must take three drops of the potion midday before the moon rises and it shall cause the werewolf to be tame. Remus listened to the instructions and Sirius paid the apothecary. The next afternoon, Remus took the potion. Sirius witnessed his transformation into a wolf. It was a terrible thing. But the wolf was docile and calm. In the darkest part of the night, Sirius heard voices outside the cabin. He looked out through the window and saw some townspeople carrying torches through the wood. The wolf nosed his way over to the window and they exchanged a glance. Sirius strode outside. What are you doing? He asked the man in front of the group. We are looking for the beast in the forest who has killed and injured our animals, the leader said. He was a formidable-looking man, with bulging muscles and a sword in his belt. There is no beast here, Sirius declared, imperiously, and turned to go back inside. Are you not nobleman Black's son? I am, Sirius said, crossing his arms across his chest with a haughty stare.
and you are? There is a bounty on your head. Your father bid anyone who lays eyes on you to bring you back to Grimald Place one way or another. Is that so? I am a grown man and will decide if I ever darken my father's doorstep. Be gone with you. The assembled group seemed unsure of how to proceed as Sirius faced off with the leader. Though they had come into the forest looking for the creature, Sirius knew that the prospect of gold and being in the dead of Nobleman Black was infinitely more appealing. Sirius turned to go back into the cabin. Seize him. The leader cried and the group with the torches grabbed him by the arms. Sirius cried out and fought it but it did no good. He was thoroughly outnumbered and Remus was in no fit state to help him. They bound and gagged him and were attempting to lift him onto Nimbus, when the wolf bounded out of the cabin and snarled at the leader. He yelped and let go of Sirius, who fell to the ground with a thud. The wolf chased them, snapping at their heels until they had scattered. The wolf nosed at Sirius, who was still lying on the ground. As the sky began to lighten, the wolf transformed back into Remus. He was tired and in pain, but he was able to unbind Sirius and help him into the cabin. They both collapsed in the bed, their moon tattoos touching. And so, for every moon following, Sirius made certain that Remus had three drops of the magic potion and the beast in the forest was never heard from again. Instead, Sirius and Remus lived out their days in the cabin in the woods, splitting logs and playing music on the violin. Though it was not a life Sirius would have imagined previously, it was a life filled with love. Finite Thanks for listening to this text-to-speech podfic composed by Burning Aurora.